0: A moment of power. It's time for a moment of power podcast with Pastor Johnny Henderson. Being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. If you would stand to your feet, let's go to Nehemiah chapter 1. Old Testament. Right between Ruth and Esther. I'm sorry, Ezra and Esther. Ezra and Esther. Nehemiah chapter 1. The words will be on the screen. If you didn't bring your Bible with you, it'll be on the screen. Or if you, if you prefer the electronic version, you can find us in Nehemiah chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in, in the citadel of Susa, Hannah and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. Verse 4 says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said," he goes on with this prayer, We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and the law and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Verse 10, he says, They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. I want to pull my my title from those first three words of verse five. It says, Then I said, Then I said, I want to use as a topic Just for a few minutes this morning Pray about it first Pray about it first Let's pray, God, we thank you for Just another Opportunity to be in your presence Thank you for Seeing another First Sunday In a brand new year Now God, as I stand behind this, this Sacred podium To proclaim your holy word Pray God that you would give me preaching power and a fresh anointing. God, I've wrestled with the text. I've studied with the text. Now, God, I need you to help me make the text plain to your people. So speak to me, speak through me. Mm -hmm. Help me to articulate what you have given me to share. When it's all said and done, may you be glorified and may your people be edified. Mm -hmm. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pray about it first. Can you celebrate those ushers as they go back to the seat? Amen. Celebrate our young people on the audio. Sister Andrew, Sister Martin, Brother Brother Mark, Sister Paula upstairs as well. Pray about it first. All right. Pray about it first. It's a new year. It's a new first Sunday. All right. And prayer ought to be at the top. The story is told: the sexton of a metropolitan church—a sexton is one that cleans the church, or, an, or a custodian, if you will. The sexton of a metropolitan church noticed scraps of paper in a certain pew in the sanctuary after each Sunday service. One day, he made uh, he made bold to examine the crumbled pieces of paper. He found such notes as "Mary ill," "Bob needs job," "Her rent due," "My need, Somebody had made a prayer list in the pew. After a few weeks this, the faithful custodian shared the mystery with the pastor who alerted several members who sat in the area where messages were found to please identify, if possible, the person who was leaving tidbits of information each Sunday. The quiet plan succeeded. In due time, the minister adroitly engaged the lady in conversation in his study about the intriguing practice of leaving these prayer notes addressed to various people in her pew. Smiling, the gentle lady declared that the bits of paper had deep meaning for her. You will think it's silly, she said, but some time ago I read, take your troubles to church with you. So I write down my concerns, burdens, and needs on little pieces of paper, take them to church, pray about them, and leave them there. She goes on to say, she leaves them in the pew because she feels like God is taking care of them. There at the church. I love that, y'all. Pray about it first. And here we are on this, this first Sunday of the new year. We we go through this every year, y'all. Every, every year, this time of year is filled with people planning out their goals, uh, mapping out their vision boards. I know some of you may be attending vision board parties. Uh, uh, people thinking through their New Year's resolutions, etc. Amen. Here we are in the new year. Many of us have committed to making changes in our lives. Uh, First lady and I have gotten back in the gym. Oh, heard, y'all. But we didn't wait till the new year to start. We started in November. I but the gym is crowded done, y'all. <laughs> and the bad news is my trainer told me I gotta cut back on fried chicken. <laughs> Told my trainer somebody gave me a Popeyes gift card for Christmas. What am I supposed to do with that? I'm gonna I use it anyhow. But the point is, here, here we are. The point is, here we are in the new year. And we do it every year. We commit to making changes in our lives. Have you said, I'm going to do this? I'm going to make this change and that change and the other. I'm going to improve in this area in my life. I'm going to grow more spiritually. I'm going to develop some real spiritual uh, disciplines in my life. And as you begin to take those steps forward, as you press forward into the year, Some of us experience every year that it doesn't always work out. And we get frustrated. We get frustrated. We get frustrated because we look around and we see other people growing by leaps and ground or bounds and we're still stuck in neutral. We get frustrated because we see people making progress while we experience regress. You begin to grasp defeat. You begin to wonder why, but you're not alone. Uh, If you didn't make any New Year's resolutions, you're not alone. If you didn't make any plans or goals, you're not alone. If you haven't rolled out your vision yet, you're not alone, but that's okay. Come to share with you this morning, don't get caught up in the resolutions. Don't get caught up in, in all the other stuff. Quit comparing yourself to people, but instead... Keep looking to God in prayer, but in, but most importantly, this year, soak yourself in prayer. Mm-hmm. Soak yourself in prayer, and I promise, God will meet you in your prayer life long before He meets you in that New Year's resolution. That's what that's what the text compels us to do today. It, it reminds us that every good believer and disciple must have a. Thriving prayer life I I could come up in here New Year's Eve or this morning And do like we do every year This is the year of that You see it in some of these churches This is the year of this, that, and the other All these fancy slogans But I come to tell you this morning Pray about it first Before we do anything We must pray Yes multiple instances in the gospel y'all the disciples are recorded asking Jesus to teach them to pray I love this about Jesus because even in in his divinity, even in his divinely anointed ministry Jesus understood the necessity of prayer It, it was through prayer that Jesus, the son of God demonstrated that he learned how to be obedient to God Jesus he, he demonstrated in prayer that praying to his heavenly father was the way to receive power from on high. Uh, we talk about the power of God. You can't get that without prayer. Amen. Jesus demonstrated through prayer that he understood that God is uh, that prayer was key to receiving divine wisdom from the Heavenly Father. Yes. Jesus in his prayer showed his dependence on his father. To carry out the plan of redemption. The the redemption to save us from the penalty of sins. In John 17, Jesus prayed a three-part prayer. He prayed that he would be glorified. He prayed for the disciples that he would eventually leave behind. And he prayed for the believers that would come after him. Jesus is praying. It it demonstrated that he would ultimately submit to his Father's will. The Heavenly Father's will. Which was was to go to the cross. Pay the the penalty of sin. For us, for us sinning and, and being in iniquity and being out in the world. Jesus is prayer life. What I'm trying to tell you this morning, right alongside Nehemiah, is a pattern we ought to follow. And here we are in our text today. I'm not going to preach long, just for a few minutes. In our text today, Ezra and Nehemiah, they are separate books, but they're part of the same story. And if we want to understand the setting of Nehemiah, we got to understand what took what took place previously. King uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire, they invaded Judah and destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. They took a large number of Jewish people into exile. When you look at Ezra, it takes place approximately 50 years after the initial exile and one year after Persia had overtaken the Babylonian Empire. So now they're captive to Persia as opposed to Babylonia. Ezra and Nehemiah, they record three stories of particular leaders who oversaw groups of people returning to Jerusalem and to rebuild uh, the kingdom, Amen. Zerubbabel in Ezra one through six helps rebuild the temple. About sixty years after that, Ezra the priest arrives in Jerusalem to restore the temple or the teaching of the Torah. And then now Nehemiah is on the scene to return to initiate and oversee the rebuilding of the walls around Jerusalem. Uh, they 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 show a similar pattern, but they all all begin with these kings that took these Jewish people into exile. After numerous events in Ezra, we pick up the story right here in Nehemiah. Nehemiah is serving in the Persian Empire as a cupbearer, the king of the Xerxes. Right. One day he says here in the text, an Israelite named Hananiah, who is Nehemiah's brother, returns from, uh, to Persia from Judah. Nehemiah inquires of the well being of the Israelites who have returned and about Jerusalem. Hananiah tells them that the people in Israel are in great trouble and disgrace. Hananiah goes on to tell him that the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Imagine that, if you will. He's starting off his role as a leader with bad news. And upon hearing this report from Hananiah, Nehemiah is heartbroken. He says in the text, he, he mourns fast and prays for several days. I want to share three things with you this morning. Nehemiah's response to this bad news, it gives us some ways we can respond as well. Because the truth be told in 2024, uh, we're going to go through some stuff. Let's just keep it real. Let's keep it real. Some of us will encounter trials. Some of us will encounter affliction. All of us will encounter evil. All of us will be under the attack of the enemy. Right. But, but Nehemiah gives us some tips here. How do we ought to proceed throughout 2024? That's why we need to set the tone now. First thing Nehemiah shows us in the text is prayer should precede any action or plans. All right. so, okay. That's right. Prayer, pray about it first. Uh-huh. Prayer should precede any action or plans. Whenever, whenever, whatever you find yourself in this year. Whether it's good or bad all right. Because Nehemiah, his assignment is to rebuild the wall uh-huh. Whatever you find yourself in You should pray Amen. Look at it he, 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 he gets told of a bad report His first response is to pray Verse 3, they said to me Those who survived the exile and the back of the province Are in great trouble and disgrace The wall of Jerusalem is broken down And its gates have been burned with fire When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and praised before the God of heaven. Notice, he said, I sat down and wept for some days. I mourned and fasted and prayed. Notice what the text says, then notice it, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't go and tell anybody else. Yes. He doesn't get on the phone and call his homegirl or his homeboy, rather. He, he goes to God. He, he doesn't try to distract himself from the problem. He goes to God. One of the things I used to do, y'all, I used to be an isolationist. I used to seal myself in the house. You do that too. <laughs> but Nehemiah, he's go, he goes to God. He doesn't try to distract himself from the problem. He doesn't try to drink his problems away. He doesn't try to smoke his problems away. He doesn't try to do this, that, and the other. He doesn't go to the club. He doesn't go to uh, upscale. He doesn't go to polish chicken, none of that. He, he goes to God. That's what the text says. He 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 casts his anxieties and his cares upon God. The lesson for us when, when we encounter bad reports or when we go through difficulties, prayer has to be our first response. It can't be the last response. In the same way, y'all, when we experience the goodness and blessings of God, we ought to pray as well. If it becomes a prayer of thanksgiving at that point. But not only should prayer be our first response The thing we got to understand about prayer It helps us to endure seasons of waiting Here's what I love about the text in verse 4 He indicates that it was a season of seeking God Through prayer, fasting, and mourning He says in verse 4 For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven He doesn't do it, hit it and quit it he didn't do a Hit it and quit it. He says, "For some days, I mourn, fasting, pray." I'm guilty of hitting and quitting. Anybody else guilty? Y'all don't want to. Y'all don't want to be honest this morning. He doesn't do a Hit it and prayer. Prayer helps us to endure seasons of waiting. Some scholars suggest that he mourned and prayed and fasted for 90 to 150 days. Right. And the reason being, God may not respond to the hidden and the quit. All right. All right. you got to pray and you got to fast. Fasting, fasting, fasting. The church ain't fasting. Fasting is the voluntary limited, limiting of food and perhaps uh, even liquids as well. Fasting is designed, it's a spiritual discipline designed to rid us of self-exaltation or self-satisfaction. Fasting is designed to train us to get our flesh under control. Fasting is designed to get us to totally depend on God in an effort to clearly hear from God. Uh, The trainer told me, I I need to give up Popeye's chicken. (laughs) Let me be real. Since I've been since I've been pastoring here, I've put on thirty pounds. That's that's a side that's a side that's a side note. But but the point of fasting, y'all, is to discipline us to get that flesh under control. When we get the flesh under control, then we can get closer to God. Then we can get uh, near to God as well. Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus, we find Jesus in the wilderness uh, being tempted by the devil Jesus was in the wilderness getting tempted by the devil, it was to get his flesh under control to prepare him for ministry and the enemy we know he'll use your flesh to get you on the wrong side of the equation in the wilderness the enemy tried everything he could to get Jesus to waver but Jesus was totally prepared Always invoke the word of God as a response to the devil. Why do we need to pray and fast for so long? But why does Nehemiah do it? Because again, God may not always always respond right away. Mm-hmm. But the flesh wants instant gratification. I'm sick. God, you need to heal me today. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I need a job. God, you need to set me up an interview today. We, we live in a culture, y'all. We, we thrive on the instant. We thrive on the right away. God doesn't work that way. We, God is not Amazon Prime. He can He can be, but he's not. Right. I ordered a package on Friday, it showed up yesterday. Amen. What if God don't show up until 90 days later, like my experience? Lord. But here's what it does. Seasons of fasting and praying teaches us how to wait on God yes. and resist the urge of uh, immediate gratification. One writer says immediate gratification is the default response of the flesh. Anytime, anytime we go through difficult situations, anytime we got some things going on, uh, one of the things the flesh urges us to do Is to want it taken care of Right away okay. Instant gratification I guess it's cool for physical things But when it comes to the spiritual You got to get that out your mind yeah. when, when, when we experience trials And hardships we got to patiently Enter into the process of seeking God and waiting on him Are you hearing me this morning? Yes and let me add this Just because you don't see immediate results From my prayers and, and fasting That don't mean give up or quit You got to persevere And walk by faith Prayer is always the first response That's the first thing Neil my did. He mourned, fasted and prayed I love verse 5 He said then I say it. Praying and fasting We can all do better with it But the second thing the text teaches us what we know about prayer Prayer is submitting to God's will Over ours right. It's submitting To God's will Over ours right. Prayer is not It's not dictating Our will to God it's, it's, it's never about Trying to manipulate Or twist God's arms To conform to your ways to your will and your wants. It, it's about surrendering to God and aligning ourselves to Him while at the same time being confident that God is going to hear our prayer. Amen. So, what happens to us, the flesh, there goes that goes at flesh again, the flesh will have us impatient, frustrated, uh, and if you're not careful, the flesh will have you mad at God Amen. because you didn't get your way with God Amen. instead of uh, letting God have His way with you, in you, and through you. I love it, he says, verse 5, Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. Uh, Verse 6, he says, Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. He says, he's praying day and night. He goes on to say, I confess the sins we Israelites. He includes himself including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. He, We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the command, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Nehemiah, y'all, he's the set man to rebuild his wall. He's kind enough to reveal his prayer. He gives a first-person account of what he prayed to God. It, it turns out to be a prayer of repentance uh, he confessed the sins of the Lord He he also reminds God of his promises I love that right there He's a man of faith who has an appreciation of God He shows that he feared God And God is the source of his faith That's why you ought to pray first Because when you pray first You show that God is the yes. source of yes. your faith yes. Yes. He's the source, not the leftovers yes. Yes. He goes on, he recalls God's mercy and his covenant love to his people. Yes. Nehemiah, he knew that God was uh, listen with here, so he's asking God to take action. That's what prayer is all about right there. It's God, take action. Yes. Yes. But the point for us, we got to be confident that God hears our prayer. Yes. Uh, one of the things we see in most of the Psalms, most of the Psalms you read, David often mentions the confidence he has in God Hearing his prayers yeah. I reference Psalm 34 a lot Because it's one of my favorite songs He says in Psalm 34 four, uh, 15 The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous And his ears are attentive to their cry yeah. His ears are yeah. God hears you yeah. Yeah. Beloved, God hears you today Amen All right. All right. Uh, uh, David goes on to say in Psalm 34 17 He says the righteous cry out mm-hmm. And the Lord yeah. hears them yeah. He delivers them from all of their troubles. Psalm 34, I love it. he goes on to say, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And I like he says, not one of their bones is broken. Uh, prayer gets us in the will of God, but it, it doesn't get God to conform to our will. But in the meantime, we got to be confident that God hears our prayer. This is why Nehemiah stayed in a season of praying, stayed in a season of fasting, stayed in a season of mourning. We see with Nehemiah, y'all, the importance of prayer. And I want to suggest to you this morning, on this first Sunday in 2024, I want to suggest to you that in 2024, we can't lose sight of prayer. I know we've made our resolutions, we've written down all of our goals, but don't lose sight of prayer and communion with God. Amen. I was reading a comment on uh, Facebook the other day. Somebody, they were fussed about, uh, you've probably seen it, uh, Bishop William Murphy's church in, in, in Atlanta. They had a big party New Year's Eve. They playing walking out and swag surfing. I was reading some of the comments, and somebody said, The church needs to get back to prayer. <laughs> Submit to you this morning We cannot lose sight of Prayer But not only that Nehemiah he repents Of the sins of the people Amen We got to get back to being serious about prayer We got to get back I'm not saying little Zion don't do that I'm talking to church at whole at large We've got to get back to being serious About sin and repentance Notice in the prayer Nehemiah he mentions uh, forgiveness of sins. Yes. yes. We don't. We don't. We have lost the plot, y'all. Because mm. we want to make everybody feel good now. Come on, Come on, bro. Come on. Now. on We don't. The church has lost the plot. We don't condemn sin anymore. We don't emphasize repentance anymore. Uh, but if we want to live right with God, if we want to be se- we want to be serious about a prayer life, this it got it has it has to include prayer and repentance. Yes. Nearby shows us the way oh, yes. And here's the last piece and I'm done We learned that prayer We got to pray first We learned secondly that uh, Prayer uh, surrenders us to God's will It's not dictating our will to God But then the third thing we learned We learn y'all I love this piece right here Prayer solicits God's help In our situation oh, yeah. Yeah. Prayer Let's sure say pray about it Pray about it prayer solicits God's help in our situation. When you pray, you show you have the audacity. Let me say that word. That's a fancy word. Audacity. To put your faith to work. When you pray, you show that you're big, bad, and bold enough to put your faith to work. Prayer is where we lean into our faith and into the promises of God. Yes. Nehemiah, what he does—watch what he does—he he, he invokes the covenant love of God. He confesses the sins of the Israelites, and he he includes himself and his daddy. Me and my daddy—we ain't perfect; we sin too. He says here. But then he goes on. What I love here—he recalls, he reminds God of who God is. He says, he recalls the character and the promises of God. He says in verse 8, Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, 'If, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. He says in verse 10, They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, verse 11, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of This man, sometimes you got to remind God, he already knows who he is, but you got to remind God that you know who he is. God, you said this and I'm standing on it. God, you said that and I want to remind you, God, I'm standing on your promises. God, you wrote this in your word and God, I'm just simply standing on your word. He says, He says, remember your people. God, remember what you said. And that's what prayer is all about. It's about soliciting God to step in to your situation. That's what Nehemiah does. He reminds God of his love. He reminds God of his character. He reminds God of his promise. Anybody don't mind reminding God sometimes? God, God, you're mighty. You're awesome. God, you're this, that, and you're all that. God, I need you to show up in the nick of time. Nehemiah reminds God what he said in his word. You ought to pray the word sometime. Don't don't just let your mind wander. You ain't gotta ramble on. Just sometimes, just pray this word. Yes. Say, God, I remember what you said in your word. I, I'm standing on the promises in your word, and God, I surrender to you today. And I'm praying that you would hear my prayer. That's what Nehemiah does here, and I love it, y'all. He says, "I'm believing you, God." This prayer of confidence. I believe you because you promised. And I just want to remind you, God, what you said. So I'm done. I just, want to, I just want to stop by and tell you this morning. To pray about it first. Pray about it first. I don't know what you put on your New Year's resolution. I know you went and bought some cardboard or poster board. You got some pictures and vision stuff on your vision board. I just want to remind you this morning to pray about it first. Whatever you're going through, pray about it first. Nehemiah, he's he's overcome with grief. He's got a bad report, but he goes to God. And as we encounter trials and tribulations, as we... As we go through afflictions, as we go through the storms, as we encounter that old devil in the days to come, we got to respond by entering into seasons of prayer. You got to remind God you ought to call on his character, you ought to call on his promises, and you ought to call on his word. Amen. Prayer ought to precede anything we do. Amen. It submits us to God's will, and not our will, it, it, it solicits God's help. In whatever situation we find ourselves in. So I'm closing that. I know the calendar has changed. Christmas is coming and go. All the New Year's parties are wrapped up. Most of us have taken our trees down. But the reality is, the reality is some of us are still carrying burdens. You put away the tree, You've unwrapped all the gifts, but we're still carrying burdens. Look at Nehemiah. He's now now tasked with the burden of rebuilding the wall. But he takes his burdens to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Look at Jesus. He's he's tasked with the burden of uh, carrying the sins of all humanity. But even Jesus, he called on the Heavenly Father. I come to tell somebody if you showed up this morning, you don't know what to do. You don't know how to respond. You ought to respond with prayer. Take your burdens to the Lord And prayer. I'm reminded of that old song, uh, "Cast me not, O gentle saint hear my humble cry." Follow us. I will call. You. Do not cast me by to again, pray about it first. This brother named Joseph Scriven and Charles Comfort, they summed it up in one of my favorite songs. It says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grief to bear. Watch this, it says, what a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. He, he says, oh what, watch this, oh what peace we often forfeit. I know this, Oh what needless pain We bear All because yes. Let me say that again All because One more time All because We do not care yes. Everybody yes. To God and yes. I, I need to say that again to somebody yes. Oh what peace we all enforce! God. all because we do not care. Everything. 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 All because we do not care. Everything. To so God, everything. come on, stand to your feet. You ought to pray about it first. Don't call somebody first. Go to God first. Joseph Scriven and Charles Converse—they—they—they they, they, they make it real plain for us. Oh, what peace we often forfeit when you don't pray, when you don't take it to the Lord. I want to submit to you—you—you—you are you, you, uh, exposing yourself to. Unnecessary pain. Pray about it first. Nehemiah is in the season of grief. Nehemiah. A moment of power. It's a moment of power with Pastor Johnny Henderson being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia connect with them by visiting their website lzmbc.net pastor henderson lady henderson and the little zion family want to thank you for listening don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you will not miss a moment of power